0: Storytime. I couldn't believe the time was finally here. I'd spent seven years as a chief investigator. After following the case for many years, I had dreamed of setting foot inside Weaver Manor. And now, the case had been reopened and it landed on my lap. This story follows the history of Peter Weaver, loving husband, caring father, murderer. In the year 1977, Peter Weaver, described by his family and friends as a family man, butchered his wife and two kids in cold blood. A story that would be later branded as the Weaver murders by every news outlet in the country. The events took place just outside a small town called Bloomington, Indiana. To this day, Peter Weaver has never been found. It happened on the evening of November 17th. Details stemming from multiple confirmed sources, including the official coroner's report, stated that the bodies were badly mutilated and scattered throughout different rooms of the house. The wife, Jane, was found in the study sitting upright in a chair, propped behind the desk, facing away from the door. She was fully clothed when the body was discovered. She suffered severe burns to the left side of her face, and her throat had been slit. The two kids were both teenagers. Sam was 17, almost turning 18 at the time of his death. The younger of the two was Jack. Jack was only 13. Both bodies were found in separate rooms at opposite ends of the house, severely beaten to death. There was no evidence ever found that would have helped locate Peter Weaver's whereabouts, but every room in the house had the scribblings of a madman. It wasn't long before people found out the case had been reopened, and I was getting emails from complete strangers asking for just five minutes inside Weaver Manor with a camera, in exchange for money. This was a question that everybody wanted the answer to. At this point, I had been briefed on the case and had all filed pictures and evidence turned over to me. Two boxes, not very large in size, which didn't exactly fill me with confidence on the amount I had to go on. Almost 20 years later, on April 15th, 1996... I was ready, or so I thought. I usually work alone, but in this case, I needed someone I could trust to shoot video footage of the inside of the house, top to bottom, with a keen eye so not as to miss anything. That someone was Scott. I'd worked with him a number of times before, and he's my go-to for these type of cases. He's quiet. A little reserved, but very focused. He doesn't speak much, which suits me most of the time. I prefer my own company over the company of others, but Scott knew his stuff, and he was always willing to aim his camera in the direction I point with my hand, as long as there was cash in the other. He was just a kid, after all. Couldn't have been more than twenty at this point. The drive out to Weaver Manor was just under two hours from where I was based. Lucky for me, Scott was on the way. When I picked him up, he had nothing but a small green satchel and a bottle of water. The camera was a bit bigger, so it went into the trunk. We stopped off first to fill up at a gas station before hitting the road. But as I stood there, staring at the numbers going up on the pump gauge, strange feeling... Began to come over me. I started feeling a bit uneasy. That feeling of dread. I paid for the gas and went on my way, trying my best to ignore that gut feeling I'd just experienced. Within 30 minutes, Scott was out cold, with his face pressed up against the glass of my 1968 Chevrolet Nova Pro, his breath fogging up the window. I turned the radio on low to help occupy my mind and drown out the overbearing thoughts currently racing around in my head. It'll be fine, I kept muttering to myself. Upon approach to Weaver Manor, my mind began to have flashbacks of the long driveway leading up to the house. I must have looked at those pictures a hundred times. It somehow felt longer. I give a gentle nudge to Scott as to not startle him from his sleep. Hey, Scotty, we're here, buddy. Scott lets out a groan, stretches out in the cramped front cabin of my car, and rubs his eyes. (sighs) Sorry, I didn't mean to fall asleep, he says, fighting back a yawn. It's fine, don't worry, it's a long drive, I said, not actually caring much of whether he was awake or sleeping. I needed him for his camera, not his company. I parked as close as I could to the door without obstructing the driveway or having to mount the grass. I had been given the keys to the house, but yet, upon inspection, I realized there was no power in the house at all. No generator. No floodlights. Nothing. Total darkness. There was a strange chill to the air. Maybe it was because we were out this far, but something felt off. Not being able to shake the feeling, I started to focus. Luckily, I was prepared for the department's lack of preparation. We collected the torches and camera from the trunk of the car and made our way inside. We took a couple of spare batteries each just in case, save us trips back and forth to the car. I could tell Scott didn't want to stay here a moment longer than he needed to. And to be honest, I was beginning to feel that way, too. Upon entering the house, we both placed our equipment on the ground and just stared upward. In the main hallway, just inside the front door, there was a large staircase that separated on each side, leading to the floor above, a staircase made of what appeared to be oak, It was hard to tell with the aging, but it had definitely seen better days. The elements have made their own of this house, I said, thinking out loud. It had been almost twenty years since someone set foot inside Weaver Manor, and it now had been overgrown with mold and rot. The cold, damp air wasn't something I wanted to breathe for longer than I had to. I took my pen and notepad from my bag, resealing the clasp. Want to split up or stick together? I asked, turning my attention to Scott, who was still staring into the abyss. "Uh, Stick together! He exclaimed, without much hesitation. We'll definitely be out of here a lot faster if we don't scope this place together. We can cover more ground that way. We'll meet back here in thirty minutes, okay? Scott's face had worry written all over it. Huh, Thirty minutes, okay, I can do that, he reluctantly accepted, picking his satchel up off the floor and throwing it over his shoulder. We parted ways, and as afraid as I could feel Scotty was to be roaming a murder house alone, little did he know I wasn't far behind him. I wandered off into the far corridor on the east side of the house and began walking slowly, examining the walls studying every detail I could pick up on which usually would be hard to do when the walls are so bare but I did notice a change in color on the wall almost as if a painting had been hanging there recently it was as if this section of the wall was untouched by the elements that had consumed the rest of the house I began to write notes with my pen that refused to put ink to paper I pulled my bag around and opened up a pocket to search for another pen. (sighs) My spare pens are in the car, I muttered to myself. I sealed up my bag and threw it over one shoulder and made my way to the front door. When I got to the center of the main hall, my hand clutched the doorknob. I stopped. I thought to myself, I better let Scott know I'm just running to the car for a pen. Hey, Scott! I shouted, my voice echoing through the hallway and up the stairs. No answer. Scott! I shouted, slightly louder this time. Nothing. I chose to fight the nervous pounding in my chest, I felt, and run to the car. He's fine. He's just gone too far and can't hear me, I nervously reassured myself. I headed down the steps leading to the car parked down the driveway. It was a mere two or three minute walk at most. The air seemed to have gotten colder in the short time I spent inside the house. I pulled my jacket a little tighter as I approached the car. I grabbed the passenger side door handle and it felt like ice. I pulled the car door open and searched the glove box and pulled out two black pens. I pulled away from the car to close the door behind me and as I turned, I saw a light in the distance, moving through the woods to the east of the house. "'That looks like a flashlight.' "'Scott?' I said to myself, wondering why he would be outside wandering through the forest. I began to slowly walk towards the light, placing my bag against the rear wheel of my car as I passed. Within seconds, I could now make out what appeared to be a figure of a man." "'in the distance as I got closer. "'As I entered the forest, I began to sweat nervously "'and question whether or not I should even be following this person. "'What if it wasn't Scott? "'After three or four minutes of steathily pursuing this figure, "'my hands began to become clammy. "'My nerves were beginning to get the better of me. "'Shortly after surpassing what must have been hundreds of trees, "'the figure disappeared from my sight.' He was gone. This made me very uneasy, so I began to make my way back towards the house. Only now, I was unsure which direction it was. I was now so deep into the forest that I could no longer see the house. I was lost in the dark with my flashlight, and the spare batteries were in my bag, which is sitting by my car. I began to panic. My breathing got heavier. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I couldn't afford to waste any more time with a flashlight that could die any moment, leaving me in total darkness. So I picked a direction that, to the best of my knowledge, was the direction, in fact, I came from. And I started to run. After several minutes, I realized... I would have reached the house by now if this was the right way. I began to feel incredibly ill and faint. I leaned my back up against a tree, opening up my jacket in an attempt to help cool me down and help my breathing. After fifteen seconds, I realized I was indeed running out of time. I decided to set off in another direction. I began to wander at a fast walk as to remain calm while still making progress. I noticed, in the short distance, a small building. It was not Weaver Manor, but I made my way toward it. After a minute or so, I reached what appeared to be a small garage, most likely used as storage for a car or workshop of some kind. I attempted to lift the garage door. A large screech followed it wouldn't budge. After inspecting the bottom of the door with my flashlight, I noticed there was a padlock. It wasn't a very large padlock, but it also wasn't something I could break open without any tools. I turned the lock over to the side and noticed three numbers. Zero, zero, zero. This was a combination lock, but I didn't know the code. The very first thing that sprung to mind was... This is a very modern lock, meaning it was put here long after the events of Weaver Manor. I rose to my feet quickly. I don't have time for this, I muttered. I turned and began to walk at a fast pace in a different direction once more, the only direction I hadn't yet traveled since I entered the forest. This has to be the way, I whispered to myself reassuringly. After five or so minutes... I spotted something in the distance. Crisp, navy blue, with beautiful curves. My car! I exclaimed in an excited whisper to myself. I had gotten a second wind and made my way towards my car, picking up the pace as I got closer. As I reached the car, I snapped up my bag and glanced in the passenger side window. Nothing. Scott, where the hell are you? I argued with myself. Refusing to leave the kid behind, I headed back towards the house, against all my better judgment. As I entered the house, the same cool air filled up the room. Seeing my breath in front of me, I called out, Scott, are you in here? The silence was deafening. I ran towards the hallway I had last seen Scott head down. Despite the overall symmetry of the house, this hallway was very different from the one I had wandered into on the other side of the house. The walls were not bare but, instead, riddled with rot and grit. The ceiling and floors were heavily stained. As I made my way through the long, dark hallway, my mind was racing. I no longer wanted anything to do with this house. I no longer cared about what happened at Weaver Manor. At 38 years old, I just wanted to go home. The hallway came to an abrupt stop. There was a sharp bend around to the right, heavily covered in vines and overgrown weeds. This house had been claimed by nature long ago. As I turned the corner, a doorway was open to the left, no more than three or four feet down the hall. I approached slowly. Scott! I began to whisper. Still no response. As I peeked around the corner, my eyes lit up in terror, and my body froze. Scott's camera and bag were on the floor. Without hesitation, I scrambled for the door, running down the dark hallway, refusing to look behind me for fear of what I might see. I reached for the door, grabbed hold, and swung it open with vicious strength. As I sprinted down the steps taking three and four at a time, my eyes began to dart back and forth looking around me on my approach to the car, out of sheer terror. I was almost home free. I will not stay here a moment longer! My voice inside my head screamed. As I climbed speedily into the car, slamming and locking the doors behind me, I placed the keys in the ignition, and suddenly I am stopped in my tracks. My eyes drawn to the passenger seat. A cold shiver ran down my spine. My breathing became shallow. Resting on the seat beside me, my notepad and written on the page, the numbers 913